Hello and welcome to Spotlight on the Faith. I'm Deacon Tim Criswell, your host, and we're here to focus on the gifts and talents the people of Western New York bring to their ministry. Today we're back with our seven men who recently received their call to holy orders. So once again, I welcome Kevin Barron, Todd Bowman, Jim Cantella, Marty Hackford, Tommy LaBelle, John Phillips, and John Ryan. In this segment, we're going to discuss what they feel God is calling them to do in the church once they're ordained on May 20th, 2023. For a deacon, the day after you're ordained, it may feel like you hit the ground running. You may serve your first Mass in your parish that sponsored you for five years and then get prepared to go to an entirely new family. Our Buffalo Diocese is in a renewal process where we are bringing parishes together into families. What this means for a deacon is that we will all serve more than one parish. We will serve in a family that may include between three and six churches. So, my question to all of you is, where do you feel God calling you to serve in your ministry of charity, and how can you serve in the renewal? So my uh, parish or family is a, is a central Niagara Catholic family. We are developing as a, one of the pilot families. And I see my role for probably a while is how to unify these four parishes from different areas of Niagara County and uh, you know what kind of ministries can we really get together, new ministries. And one of the things I've had a lot of uh, interest from people is, you know, why don't you do a men's group between all of them, the old men, young men, giving each other help? And what can you do to help get young families and youth back into the churches since we've lost a lot during COVID and things like that? And a lot of those ideas, I know there's a lot of lay people want to do it. It's just, I think one of my jobs would be finding lay people who had that energy that I could help and, and we could together could serve and to serve better and draw more people into the church and create that community, not just four separate little groups, but one, you know, community. And I think that's important if we're going to be successful and it's a road to renewal. And uh, that's just one of the aspects. But uh, seeing interest already before even being ordained, I think one of the churches calls me uh, STB, soon to be. Now, can you do this? Can you do this? Can we think about this? And, And there's a lot of great ideas there, but there's a need no, I think that's what we're called, and discern, is this something God wants me to do, and what kind of help can I get with it? And there's so many people eager to help, but they just want somebody to say it's okay or somebody to be some connection, I guess, to right. the church, and I think that's what I'm called to do for some of it. So I hope to accomplish that unity of the community and my new family here. But uh, there's a lot of aspects, and I think God's going to put them to me as, as he wants. <laughs> and you speak of that need. As you're saying need, I hear the word desire coming through that, that there's a desire for people to get more and to, you know, enrich their faith more and, and kind of get back into what they used to do maybe years ago. Right. How many years have you been? You talk about your family. Your family went in through the pilot phase, the renewal, and now you're deeper into it than most other families that haven't even inaugurated yet. How many years were you part of the parish community prior to it becoming the renewal? 18 years. 18 years. Okay. So so and you've seen there, a great change then. Right. And I was there with, we did the uh, the journey of faith, faith and, and grace. grace when we took two 
uh, communities that were uh, rivals and trying to get them together. I remember parish council meetings. We'd have one church, one of the churches on one side of the table and the other church on the other side of the table, and even my wife and I teaching um, a confirmation class. The kids would come in. I remember our first class was that weekend was the game between the, the football game you know, between the two rivals. Oh, and they, gosh. <laughs> it was tough. But now you would not know. They intermix. They, there's family. They're, they choose each other. It, it's, it can be done. It just takes time and patience and a lot of love. And I see that it's needed, but you need somebody to foster that and uh, to see where it's starting to flicker, you know, to flame it up, you know, to get it going. And uh, I've had some opportunity already, but as a deacon, I think that's going to be a lot more opportunity and responsibility to to grow that faith. Right. And as a deacon, it'll open up your, you know, with the multiple parishes being involved in a larger area, your influence spiritually, uh, pastorally will be greater than just if it was only a single parish. It'll give a greater opportunity to influence more people and have a greater impact on their lives. So I think that's great, Jim. Tommy. You know, I really feel moved to be there for the person that's alone, that's scared, that's hurting, whether it's mentally or emotionally or spiritually, whether it's because of decisions they've made or situations they've been in or situations they're currently going through, and to walk with them and to help them on their journey or introduce them to the mercy of God, to introduce them so that throughout me walking with them, they are introduced into an, uh, a part of their lives where they're, now they are desiring an intimacy with Jesus Christ, where they are entering into freely seeking Christ in their lives and understanding that it doesn't matter what they did in their lives, doesn't matter what has happened or situations or scenarios, that they are just as much a child of the King of Kings as anybody else and just as much as worthy. And I think I really feel moved to be helping people in that fashion. That's great, Tommy. I, I hear a lot coming through that what you do as a profession, as a police officer and as a paramedic, that a lot of your encounters are one-on-one, uh, working, assisting with people, helping people, and that kind of translates into that ministry of what it would become is that you can see yourself continuing to do that and because you do need those one-on-one encounters, not just the whole parish community, but to, to really touch people's individual lives. And that's how we, we convert them one by one. And in my profession, a lot of people, they feel because of the situation that they are in, because of the circumstances, that that's where they have to stay because they're not worthy to do anything else. You know, and I just, I don't know, I guess I have a little bit of a bleeding heart for that mentality. People that feel like they're not worthy. You know, the, the person that doesn't look like me, the person that doesn't pray like me, the person that doesn't love like me, you know, um, I think that's what we're called to reach out and welcome, kind of against the grain, I guess. Yeah, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. And that's where we start, and how can we bring some people back to that? That's great, Tommy. John, please share. In, in regards to what I hope to accomplish if ordinated, I really hope to answer the call by just being me. And just being me means being that guy that gets to fix things and gets to organize things. That's, those are things I just like to do. I recently took a chaplain's aptitude test, and it said that my career was destined to be a carpenter. And I, th- I thought, well, that doesn't sound very cleric. But then I remembered, well, Jesus was Jesus a carpenter. Carpenter. So, you know, there, there has to be something there. So, but I think, that, you know, the call comes, as they say, when what you'd like to do matches with what the world needs. 
And I think that there's plenty of opportunity, plenty of meaningful work to be found in fixing things. It doesn't necessarily mean stuff, you know, houses and cars, but I think there's opportunity, maybe fix isn't the right word, certainly help people with uh, maybe their status of spiritual health and maybe to pass on some of the things and perspectives that I've gained over the last five years to maybe bring them a little bit inner peace. That's great, John. Thanks. I appreciate that. Kevin, please. So the question you put out was, what do we hope to accomplish as a deacon? I think the easiest, I think what my natural attraction to this was, is I've always been interested in ministry since I've been back in my faith walk, and I I really enjoy whatever ministry. I just think that the diaconate gives us a taller platform to reach more people, and I think the goal, at least for me, is how do I act as a connector? And Marty said in an earlier podcast that he's not an academic or a theologian, and I echo that 100%. I am not an academic or a theologian. I don't know how I'm going to be a great connector for somebody who's really well-grounded in their faith and well on their way, but perhaps a charism I do have is to bring church to the unchurched and to those that are out on the margins or maybe those that have fallen away like a lot of our young people or teenagers. I see, at least for myself, and that's only all I can speak to, is if I was to hope to accomplish something, it would be to that, to reach out to that perimeter and to try to connect church to the unchurched. Thank you, Kevin. Marty. I'd like to chime in because I I haven't 100% uh, diagnosed what I want, so I want to be honest about that, but I want to do what's right in Christ's eyes. So I'm open right now to a lot of different experiences where to bring people back to the church, to maybe have people think about what's going on in this world today. Maybe it's all back to lack of faith. When you ask people who's practicing the faith, the numbers are so low. And that's the sad part. And as I mentioned in another podcast, that you have to have an end result in mind. You know, maybe it's just a Get people thinking about that a little bit more. Not that you want to think about your death, but what's after this world? And I think that's so important. When we think that this world is all there is, then it's sad to think that. It's much more than this. And what are you going to do to get yourself there and your family and your kids? And if I can give anybody a spark of hope, that's what I want to do. That's great, Marty, because you're right. There's something more than just this. And, but it's getting everybody there in a pastoral, loving, caring way to, to show them that there is more, that's more to come. Great. John. So I think I'm open to, like, wherever God leads me right now. I do have, you know, like what I think I might like to do as a deacon and stuff, but I, I'm trying to keep it more open to where does God want me to go. And part of it, there's a lot of unknowns in the future here. This year, my parish is going to be integrated into a family and stuff like that. So I think part of my role there is to make it more of a harmonious integration to help alleviate people's fears. I think that's going to be one of my primary first missions as a deacon. But then also going back to, you know, 10 years ago, I was talking about I was an ignorant Catholic. And I actually looked around and I saw You know, there's quite a lot of people that really don't know anything about their faith. 
And so I, I do feel calling to, you know, to have more adult faith formation programs integrated, hopefully, into my parish. And then right along with uh, as far as my uh, ministry of charity, I feel a really overwhelming call to hospital chaplaincy. It's uh, those people that are in a hospital really feel, really need the, the presence of Christ and I th- hope and I'll be there to help guide them. Oh, that's great, John. Todd. Like Marty, I'm not quite sure what I want to accomplish as a deacon, if I'm being totally honest. But also, like what Tommy said, I want to be there for the people in my church and the people I minister with my uh, ministry of charity as well. And just to let them know that they're important and that they're loved, and that there is someone there for them to help them. That's great, Todd. You know, as you guys were talking, I heard a lot of challenges and, and um, almost in a sense of, well, let's face it, I think we're living in a broken world right now. But I think throughout history at different times, it's maybe been even more broken, if that seems possible. But in light of that complexity of all the many societal issues that we're facing today, you guys as future deacons, how do you think those societal issues are going to influence your faith life, and how would you respond to that? How do you hope to respond to that? Kevin, please. I hope this doesn't trail off down some rabbit hole here too far, but I do think a couple of things that are sort of plaguing us as a nation, as a faith family, is just the divisiveness that society has become. Whether you want to choose partisan politics or you want to choose social media, these are two really powerful forces in our world right now. And the only thing that both of them seem to have in common is division and tribe up and get your group and hold on to that group and everybody else is the enemy. And all of that thinking really just flies in the face of the gospel. And Tommy has made reference to it a couple different times when, as we've talked, is if we really believe that we are made in the divine image and likeness of God, then this whole idea of tribalism, this whole idea of the tribe I'm in is good. And this goes for us as Catholics, too, that the tribe we're in is the good tribe and everybody else is the bad tribe. You just really struggle to find that anywhere in the gospel and certainly not the way Jesus the actions Jesus took. So when you asked what, what are the challenges facing us with that in, in today's complex world, I think if as deacons, at least something I'm going to try to do is as best I can is to be a voice sort of pushing back against those ideas um, that you should tribe up and get your group and dig in as hard as you can because there's, a, there's just a lot of that going on right now and it just doesn't line up with our Catholic faith at any level. Right, and then, Kevin, the next challenge then becomes you're speaking the truth, trying to bring people over, but not become tribal yourself and be pastoral. And that becomes the biggest challenge. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to get to level two. I'm only at level one. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get back to me on that one, huh? <laughs> I'm going to work on level two later. But <laughs> no, you're right, Tim. I think there's something really powerful about that idea that every time you try to do that, you are tribing up and... If you look, Jesus didn't have a tribe. He had the sinners and the weak and the lame and the sick. And and I, I don't know. That's the, somehow that's the call I'm going to try to answer. 
It's great. Great. If I can help Marty. Kevin there, because uh, maybe level two is, you know, build it and they will come, right? Everybody's seen the movie Field of Dreams. So maybe that's what we need to do is, is show the love and compassion of Jesus to everybody and be accepting, I think is what Kevin was saying there, to be accepting to every faith, to all people, uh, and show the love of God to them. And whether they have a true conversion or a partial conversion, I mean, that's between them and God. But we want to be face of Christ to them so that they can, so it makes them think a little bit, maybe puts them back on a path. I mean, we all said we didn't feel worthy because we were all on different paths and, you know, doing different things. And maybe that's just a big part of what we have to do is to just be that example for people. Right. Yeah, because you are, you know, as deacons, you're in a very unique position uh, because you're, you're living a very secular life. And you're, you're kind of both feet, as we had talked about before, both feet in, in the religious life, if you will, and the secular life. And you're trying to bridge the gap. And that's the challenge, to be in the world, not to exist within it and get drawn down into it and to help others find their way through it. And that becomes a challenge for us. And, you know, you guys with becoming deacons, with the, the great privilege of becoming a deacon comes great responsibility. And you'll be looked at that way and, and seen differently. And have you pondered that? Have you thought about how this, this change, well, we call it ontological change, but it, it's more than just that. It's being seen as, as someone who represents the church. And in our societal issues right now, sometimes the church is not in the best position. I think part of it is approaching people or accepting people with compassion, who they are, and to help them and us realize that you're not judged by what you do or what you believe or your job, but you are a child of God. And the uh, sacredness of each life, you know, not each tribe member, but each single person needs to be dealt with compassion. And I guess teaching that and showing that, I mean, how we treat with people, whether we agree with them or not, or, or how bad a situation or bad decisions they've made, is it still, you're still a child loved by God and, and letting them know that, I guess, or, or dealing with that and try to get over the differences and, and I guess trying to show you know, what we have in common because there's always going to be differences. Even if it's vanilla and chocolate ice cream, are you going to argue over that? You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's things like that, I guess. We're going to have more and more of them because this country is so decisive, you know, what right and wrong and in the Catholic Church ourselves. But it's just, we are all children of God. Do we see the face of Jesus? Can we be the face of Jesus to others? And if we can, I think we're going to attract it. We're going to be that light that Jesus wants us to be, you know, and, and give people hope. It's not always going to be easy, but uh, especially when it's family members, I think, are probably the toughest. But... Uh, our church is our family. It's like we're one big family of God. So it's now. Here's a challenging question for all of you: and is you spent five years together, and you become very close. And post ordination, you go back to your parish or your community or new family of parishes. And you get very involved. You get to miss your charities. You've got life, family. How do you hope to stay connected? With each other, because I sense a great connection brings great fraternity, and that fraternity is great support. And as you get into ministry, there will be times you're going to really need that support. How do you hope to stay connected with each other? Having John. sleepovers at John Ryan's house? <laughs> <laughs> Just the fires in the backyard, right? 
several uh, years ago, we started a Saturday morning rosary. And I think it was during COVID, just because we couldn't get together, we just started that tradition, provided the opportunity for the guys to Zoom call in, and we said the rosary first thing on Saturday morning. And not only did that serve us well in just coming together in prayer, but also it gave us an opportunity just to get together and share what's going on in each other's life briefly. And if there was struggles or something with some of the schoolwork or something, we could settle that with the collective perspective. That tradition is something I, I believe that we hope to keep going as we go. You know, there's probably no reason why we should discontinue it. I, I suppose uh, unforeseen responsibilities could compete against that time, but I hope that's some, uh, a practice we continue. That's great, John. And and you can see from a difficult time of COVID, something blossomed from it that has continued on even post, and, and you guys still get together doing that. I think that's great. Shows a great commitment. Kevin, please. Well, just to piggyback on what John said, not only does it connect us just physically through the Zoom call and doing the rosary, which is something really spiritual, but before we start the rosary, we all offer up our intentions for the prayers of that rosary. And just in a very short order, it gives each of us a peek into what is really on the heart of each other and what is calling us into prayer, whether it's a struggle or maybe a loved one or somebody who's fallen away from the church or somebody struggling with a health issue. Just in those few moments, even if we lose this fraternity of formational weekends, that little peek into each other's heart through intentions for the rosary, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that as well because it'll help us stay connected on that level as well. That's really important because it's it's that personal level that you're always looking for to make sure that you're checking in with each other, making sure your personal lives are, are okay and you're staying strong. Because I think over these past five years, you've all realized that you can't do this on your own. And you didn't. You didn't do it just with your family and the support of your family, but you did it with the support of each other. And I think that really is important and uh, that's very helpful. Marty. Um, something I don't think we've really mentioned was the fact that, you know, maybe one of the problems we have in today's society is the not being quiet in the social media and always being able to contact somebody. Um, so that may be as a negative. And, you know, through prayer life, we have to listen to Jesus and we need to be quiet in order to do that. But to stay connected today is probably the easiest it's ever been. So even if it's just going to be a text to somebody, say, hey, thinking about you, you know, let me know if I can help you. Even if that's like midweek on a Wednesday, hopefully all my brothers here know that someone will respond to them immediately and say, if you need help, ask. Because I think that's the relationship that we all have. And that's beautiful. So that, that can be a real positive thing that's come out of this, the phones, you know, the texting the email. And I think if you use it properly, it's a great tool. That's great. That's a great analogy. Good. What you hope for, what you want to do is such a difficult question because you've spent the past five years learning to pray and be open to what God wants you to do. And so now you're saying, okay, God, I'm open. I have no dreams, no hopes or wishes. I just want to be open and serve you the best way possible using the gifts and talents you gave me. After five years of getting to know all seven of you, I feel that you've come to learn that ministry is not only just to the church, but also your family as well. I've seen all of you grow in faith over these past five years, 
and it's been an amazing journey to walk alongside all of you and witness your formation. Thank you for saying yes, and thank you for discerning your call to the Diaconate. I want to take a moment to thank you for joining us today. This is Deacon Tim Criswell, your host, and may God bless you and protect you until you hear from us again. And remember, keep your spotlight on the faith. Mm-hmm.